Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. I really appreciate you joining us today, whether you're doing that in person at one of our campuses or online. Either way, you have picked a great day to be here because we are kicking off a brand new series of messages called Transitions, Managing the Change in Your Family. Have you noticed that we have kind of this love-hate relationship with change? We want things to get better and we want them to stay the same. We love the, the new and different and yet we crave the comfort of the same old, same old. The problem is you can't have it both ways. There's no growth without change. And there's no change without loss. And there's no loss without pain or grief. And so we want to look at that in particular with our families and our family relationships. Because families are built to change. It's hardwired into our families to change and transition over time. You know, marriage, birth, graduation, empty nest retirement, I mean, even death is a part of the natural growth cycle of family dynamics. But then on top of that, you have the unexpected changes that occur. Divorce, death of a child or a spouse, financial struggles, health struggles, things we never saw coming, and yet here they are are. If you've got family, you've got change. And how you manage that change will ultimately determine the quality of your family relationships. Healthy families are not perfect families where everything goes according to plan. Healthy families are families that just figure out how to deal with change in a healthy way. And so over the next five weeks, I want us to look at some practical ways to manage the ever-changing family dynamics that we have in healthy and God-honoring ways. And so today, I want to kick this thing off by just simply talking about planning for transitions. You know, only a fool doesn't prepare for what is inevitable, and since change is inevitable, we would be foolish not to plan for it, not to get ready for it. And so to help us do that, we're going to look at the New Testament book of James, what I believe is probably the most practical book, not only in the New Testament, maybe it's the most practical book of the entire Bible. And this small little book found towards the end of the New Testament is written, of course, by a man named James. Only this is not either of the two Jameses that were original apostles or followers of Jesus. This James was actually the brother of Jesus, who also ended up being the very first lead pastor of the original church in the city of Jerusalem. And the reason I say the book of James is so practical is because the focus of his book is on that intersection between faith and life, right? How our beliefs should impact our behaviors. 
And as we unpack this small passage at the end of his fourth chapter, we're going to see three very practical keys to being a good family planner. Three keys to good family planning. Now understand that phrase, family planning, has a very specific uh, connotation in our culture, right? When I say family planning, we immediately default to children, whether or not we have children, how many we're going to have, how far apart are they, how many boys do we want, how many girls do we want. That's what we think about with family planning, which is interesting because that's one of the aspects of our families that we have very little control over, right? I mean, we think we want these things, but we can't really control it. Example in point, Terry and I, after we'd been married a couple of years, we decided, hey, it's time to start a family. Let's plan to have a child. And sure enough, in 1989, everything went according to plan and Philip Jr. was born and we're like, oh, this is easy. Unfortunately, over the next four and a half years, we had four more children right in a row. So if you want to talk about that kind of family planning, I'm not your guy. I don't know anything about it. But when I talk about family planning, I'm talking about so much more than how many children or whether or not we have children. I'm talking about a plan, a desire for what we want in every aspect of our Family. And so, three things James says we need to have good family planning. Number one, I need to invite God into my plans. The key to being a good family planning is to invite God into your plans. I remember years ago there was this billboard ad campaign that was entitled God Speaks. It was actually modeled after the Got Milk ad campaign. You remember that black background with white writing? And the premise behind this campaign was like God was speaking to us through these billboards. Some of them were pretty funny. Like one of them said, don't make me come down there, God. One of them said, if you think it's hot here, right? But I, one specific one that I remember that said, love the wedding, invite me to the marriage. It's this idea that, that God is not just meant to be a part of a few big moments in our lives, that we need to invite him to be a part of every part of our lives, including our plans, our goals, our desires for our families. Making plans without God is like going shopping without any money. You may enjoy the experience, but you're going home empty-handed. You can plan all these things for your family, but apart from God, you're going home empty-handed. I love how James puts it. Notice James 4, verses 13 and 15. James says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Pause right there for just a second, look up here. James is talking to a, a hypothetical group of entrepreneurs or, or business people, and he's talking about all these plans they have. And if you look at it, they've got a great plan. This is an excellent plan. They got all the bases covered. They got the when, the where, the how, and the why. And yet James says, with all of those great plans, look at what James says, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, 
We will live and do this or that. In other words, James says, look, there's a connection between God's will and my plans. If you've been around church any length of time, you've probably heard this phrase before. God loves you and has a what? A plan for your life. We say that all the time. It's so cliche, but it's also so true. Whoever you are, wherever you've been or done, whatever your experience is, God loves you. And he does have a plan and purpose for your life. The question you have to settle is, do you want to cooperate with his plan or you want to keep trying to live your plan? I want you to notice what Solomon, the wisest man who's ever lived, wrote, Proverbs 16, 9. He says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. What's he saying? There's nothing wrong with plans. We, we need to plan. We need to be intentional about our goals and desires for our families. But we just need to understand that ultimately, God is in control. In the Middle Ages, Christians, whenever they'd write a letter, under their signature, they would put the initials D-V. It stood for the Latin phrase, Deo Valentia, which literally means God willing, if God wills. It's their way of saying, I have these plans, but I recognize God is in control. Now, where I grew up, not a lot of people spoke Latin or wrote Latin, but I do remember my parents saying often, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, right? It's their way of saying that same thing. We, we, these are the things we're hoping to do, planning to do, but ultimately we recognize that it depends on God. But listen, inviting God into your planning is more than just referring to him in your planning. It is preferring his will in your planning. Make God's will the starting point of your plans. It works a lot better, folks. I remember when my kids were teenagers and they had their driver's license and, and they, they would do that, it would drive me crazy. They'd do this all the time. They'd make all these plans with their friends at school during the week, plans to use the car and go here and do that. They'd have all these plans together and then they'd show up to me on Friday and go, oh, dad, I need the car. And I'm like, no, I need the car. And they're like, but we planned it. We've already planned it. Like that was gonna make them, me give them the car just because they've planned it. I'm like, yeah, you should have checked with the person who owns the car and pays the insurance and puts gas in it. Might've gone better for you. And yet, isn't that exactly what we, I know I do. I put all these plans together and then I take them to God and say, bless these plans. No, James says you gotta start with God's will. God doesn't adapt his will to fit my plans. I have to adapt my plans to fit his will. How do you do that? Let me give you just three quick things, three suggestions for inviting God into your planning. One, pray. Just start with prayer. You know, it's interesting, just go up a couple of verses in James chapter four to verse two. James says, you have not because you ask not. But understand, James is not saying God's your genie in the bottle. Just ask him, he'll give you whatever you want. No, James is saying, look, God's not playing hide and seek with his will. 
He wants you to know his will for your life more than you want to know it. Just ask. Start with prayer. Secondly, God's word. Leverage God's word because God's will is found in his word. Now, look, obviously, you're not going to open up the Bible and find a verse that says you should marry this person or, or you should have this many children or you should take this job or you should move your family to this town. No, that, that's not how it works. But what you will find in here are principles and promises that can guide your planning. Like there's a great promise in the Old Testament that says children are a gift from the Lord. They are a blessing from the Lord. The Bible says that clearly. Now understand when you're dealing with toddlers and teenagers, you're wondering what the refund policy is on that gift, right? But in those moments when your kids are driving you crazy, you can come back to this truth and say, Lord, I recognize they are a blessing. I don't feel it right now. Help me see the blessing in my children. There's also a passage in the New Testament that says it is a gift from God to be single, to be single, to not have any children. Paul says, I wish all of you were like me. Why? Because it frees you up to serve God. You have more time and more energy. You're not having to spend that on family and family relationships. You can do more for the kingdom. And so next time you get to feeling sorry for yourself that you haven't found the right person or you haven't had any children, you can step back from that emotion and go, I'm gonna choose to believe this truth, Lord that you are gifting me with singleness. The, the third thing I would have you write down is simply godly counsel. Godly counsel is huge for inviting God into your planning. In fact, Proverbs says the number one reason plans fail, for a lack of counsel, right? Because why? Because we can convince ourselves of anything. And if we don't bounce it off of others, if we don't get a sounding board, somebody else to look at, our emotions will take over and we will convince ourselves and we'll make a plan that's obviously stupid, but it seemed logical to us. That's why one of the greatest gifts of being a part of a church family is that you can be in relationship with other followers of Jesus who can help you. I mean, not all advice is godly advice. Some of it's horrible. But finding someone who's maybe a little more spiritually mature, a few steps down the road, or just find somebody who's been through what you're getting ready to go through. They have wisdom. You don't have to make all the same mistakes. Godly counsel is how we invite. God into our family plans. So what are your family plans right now? What are, what are you hoping for your family right now? What are you planning for in the next month, the next year for your family? Whatever that plan is, ask yourself, is this God-driven or is this me-driven? Making good family plans starts with inviting God into your plans. Number two, and this is huge, be ready to change your plans. Be ready to change your plans. In the words of that great Scottish poet, Robert Burns, the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. Why? Because life is full of the unexpected. We all experience things we never saw coming, 
right? That's the whole reason Forrest Gump's mama said life is like a box of chocolates. Why? Because you just never know what you're going to get. James puts it this way, the first part of verse 14. James says, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. No, No matter how good of a planner you are, ultimately plans always have to change in some way. Why? Because we plan based on what we expect and things don't always happen the way we expect them to. Right? Just take the last year. In your life, the last year, did everything happen the way you expected it to? Probably not, right? Did, did some things happen that you never saw coming? Sure, we all do. And it, look, it's not just in the little annoying things. Sometimes that happens in the major things of life. You were planning for happily ever after. Now you're talking to lawyers, dividing up property, and trying to figure out how to do custody. You were planning on a a long and happy retirement, but now you're dealing with health issues or financial struggles. I can tell you this. We were planning on watching him grow up, get married, have a family and children of his own. That ain't never going to happen for us now. And one of the things that Terry and I have been learning in our long and dark struggle of grief is this reality. You can't live two lives at the same time. You can't live all of the would haves and should haves and could haves and how it was supposed to be and live in the reality of how it is. I can promise you, you can drown in the what should have and what could have and what was supposed to have or you can wake up every day and just beg God to give you enough strength to get through the next day of what really is and find some purpose and some hope in it. Plans change. Life doesn't work out the way we thought it should. We just need to be ready for that, whatever it is. I find great comfort in these words of King David in Psalm 31. The reason they're comforting to me is because David knew all about broken families. He knew all about shattered dreams. He knew all about the pain of what could have been and should have been. And yet look at what he says. He says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times and everything that happens in them are in your hands. David says, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And I know who holds me. And it is more than enough to get me through the next day of what is the reality now. And it's the same for you. I'm sorry for your pain. I'm sorry for what didn't work out, what's not working out. And you can either waste your life in the woulda, shoulda, couldas, 
or you can live in the purpose that God can work out in the changing plans. God loves you and he is faithful. And so because of that, you don't have to live in the fear of what could happen. You don't have to go through life trying to control and keep everybody safe and and worrying about, but what if that happens to us? What if that was our son? What if that was our daughter? What if our marriage doesn't make it? You don't have to live in fear of the change, but you have to be ready to adapt to that change. If not, you won't make it. I remember years and years ago at the University of South Carolina football stadium, Williams Bryce Stadium, they had a huge game, sellout crowd. It was packed, people everywhere. And at one point during the game, the fans in the upper deck got real excited and they all started jumping up and down and literally the whole upper deck of the stadium started to sway. It started to move and people started panicking. They thought it's all coming down. We're all gonna die. People were like, something's wrong with this stadium. Too many people, too much jump. They're trying to get people, stop jumping. It's gonna collapse. Everybody was freaking out. The next day, the university administration brought out some engineers and construction experts and they explained to people that it was built to sway. It was built to move. In fact, they said, if it didn't move, with all of that stress and pressure, then it would crumble. It's the flexibility that makes it stronger. And that is so true in our lives. Ability to adapt. I have a good friend of mine who's a pastor. He has a great little saying. He said, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. And isn't that true? right? The the biggest cause of stress in our lives is not the unexpected things that happen to it. It's our inability to adapt and change with it. I love these words of Jesus from Matthew 6, 34. Jesus says, so don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. And then look at what he says, live one day at a time. See, that's the thing. You can plan for months ahead of time. You can plan for years ahead of time, but you can only live that plan one day at a time. Do we need to plan? Yes. Even Jesus said only a fool doesn't count the cost and plan. You need a plan and you have to plan based on what you expect to happen. I'm just saying you gotta be ready to change. So let me ask you this. How's your family different right now than what you were expecting? What's different about your family now? What happened that you never saw coming? And then what are you gonna change to make the most of it, to honor God and live with purpose in that unexpected change? Invite God into your plans. Be ready to change your plans. And then finally, number three, start living your plan today. Start living your plan today. Your life is now. Your life is not next week, next month, next year. Your life doesn't start when you get married. Your life doesn't start when you have children. Your life doesn't start when you finally make it to retirement. Life is what happens while you're busy making plans. I love this picture that James paints for us in the second part of verse 14. 
James says, your life is like a mist. You can see it for a short time, but then goes away. Man, I turned 60 in a couple of months, and I'm just now starting to learn just how fast life goes by. And I look back over my life, and I'm ashamed to admit this to you, but it is the truth. I realized, especially when my kids were young, that I spent so much time planning for the next big thing that I missed a lot of big things that were happening right there in my home with my children. Again, Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Solomon says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. What's he saying? He's saying if you're waiting for everything to be perfect to start, you never will. If you're waiting for perfect conditions to start actually living in the joy of life, it's never gonna happen. It's very easy to end up with what my wife Terry calls the paralysis of analysis. Trying to get everything just right and then we're going to go. The problem with one of these days is it ends up being none of these days. Oh, one of these days when things slow down at work, then I'm gonna spend more time with my family. Things aren't ever going to slow down at work unless you stop it and get off the merry-go-round. Clear, work all weekend and clear all the stuff off your desk. Guess what'll be waiting for you first thing Monday morning? A whole nother stack. Oh, one of these days when, when the kids finally move out, then we'll focus on our marriage. When the kids are gone and we got time, then we'll have a date night and we'll take long walks and we'll sit out on the swing and talk to each other. No, you won't. If you wait till the kids are grown and gone, you'll be living with a stranger. You won't over even know each other. Oh, one of these days I'm going to get in a home group when things slow down, when the kids' ball is over, when I can make some time for it, then I'm going to get connected in the home group because I know I need that. Oh, you won't. If you were going to do that, you would have already done it. Live your plan now. You familiar with the word FOMO? How many of you have heard about FOMO, right? It stands for fear of missing out. And I'm telling you, it is an epidemic in our culture today. Everybody's afraid to commit to anything because they're afraid something better might come along and they don't want to miss out. If you've sent out RSVPs for an event in the last couple of years, you know what I'm talking about. Most people don't RSVP. They don't want to commit. But here's what I'm telling you. Our fear of missing out is causing us to miss out on the important things that are happening now. And James said, look, it's not just about missing out. James says it's actually a sin. Look at verse 17. Anyone who knows the right thing to do, but does not do it, is sinning. I mean, that's harsh. Why, why does he call it a sin to know the right thing and not do it? Because it's arrogant. It's arrogant. It's presuming upon God either presuming that you know better 
or presuming that you're gonna have time later to eventually do it. You don't know. Your life is a mist, a vapor. My point is this. Whatever your plans are for your family, whatever your goals are for your family relationships, take the first step now. I wanna close with three questions. Question one, what is God asking you to change about your family relationships? What is it you know that you know sitting here today, God has clearly spoken, you need to change this. This needs to change. Do you know what I'm talking about? What you've heard from God today that you need to change in your family dynamics? Then the second question is, what's it gonna cost you to make that change? Because it's gonna cost There's no growth without change and there's no change without loss. It's going to cost you something. And then third question is, what are you willing to pay on it today? What step are you willing to take today? You can't change it overnight. It didn't get this way overnight, but you can take one step and you can take it today. That's why Jesus said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So let's do it. Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that no matter how different our lives are from what we plan, what we hoped for, what we worked for, I'm so thankful that the phone calls and the diagnosis and the things we never saw coming are not wasted. Somehow you are working out a bigger plan, a bigger purpose, and we can't see it and we don't feel it, but we can choose to trust it. So God, help us to let go of what could have been and what should have been and grab hold of the reality of you in what is today. Oh, Jesus, we need your help. And it's in your name we pray, amen.